0: Well, hey, welcome to Hope City Church today. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor. And uh, just want to say hello to everybody, everybody in Shepherdsville, everybody here in South Louisville, whoever's watching this, however you're watching this, we're just excited that we uh, get to be together for this time. And uh, we are in the middle of this series, these series of teachings that we're calling Straight Out of the Old Testament that I'm really enjoying uh, because it's giving us a chance to really teach through and talk about. Well, we would call some of the uh, more famous uh, Bible stories, some of the maybe more heroic Bible stories. If you grew up in church, maybe you heard these stories in Sunday school. Maybe your parents uh, taught them to you or read them to you uh, before you went to bed. We just started that with the boys at our house, just kind of going through. Which, by the way, just a plug, if if you have an iPad or an iPhone and you haven't downloaded the Bible app for kids... It's amazing. Your kids will love it. I'd recommend that. But it has some of these stories. Maybe it was VBS, maybe it was a summer camp, maybe it was Bible class in school. Or maybe as we are teaching through these, you're hearing these stories for the very first time. And if that's true, it really excites me because uh, I, I, I'm jealous of, of the uh, feeling that you get hearing about these amazing Bible stories for the first time. And so uh, today, we are continuing that series straight out of the Old Testament by talking about. One of the most famous, the most famous, all right? In their uh, best-selling book, The Complete Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook, say that three times fast, Joshua Pivot and David Borgenick share how to survive some of life's most difficult situations. I don't know if you've ever heard about this book, but um, I want to just read to you kind of the back cover of the book, the description of the book, if you go to Amazon. Uh, I just want to read this description to you. It says, danger, it lurks at every corner. Volcanoes, sharks, mountain lions, quicksand, terrace. The pilot of the plane blacks out and it's up to you to land the jet. What do you do? The worst case scenario survival handbook is here to help you survive the most harrowing predicaments. Jam-packed with how-to, hands-on, step-by-step instructions on everything you need to know fast. From detecting a bomb to delivering a baby in the back of a cab... Providing frightening and funny real information, this indispensable guide is the definitive handbook for those times when life takes a sudden turn for the worse, the essential companion for a perilous age, because you never know. You never know. So I thought a great way to get this started this morning would be to just take a little little pop quiz straight out of the book. So I'm going to ask you a question, then we're going to, both locations, we're going to just see how smart you are this morning. So here's the question, okay? According... To the complete worst-case scenario survival handbook, all right, what should you do if you're confronted by an angry mountain lion? Okay, that's the question. If you're confronted by an angry mountain lion, should you, A, run? Should you, B, play dead? Should you, C, hold your coat open? Or, D, should you sing a happy song? song. So both locations. Let's just see here. Raise your hand if you think the answer is A. If you're confronted by an angry mountain lion, you should run. Let me see your hand. Anybody? Okay. What about B? You should play dead. If you're confronted by an angry mountain lion, you should play dead. Okay. All right. C. If you're confronted by an angry mountain lion, hold your coat wide open. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. D. If you're confronted by an angry mountain lion, you should sing a happy song. Let me see your hand. Anybody? I wonder what song we would choose there. That's an interesting thought. But uh, well, if you if you said C, hold your coat open. You are correct. You're correct. According to Piven and Borgonack, the answer is C because the mountain lion can't see as well as you would think, and so if you hold your coat open, you look bigger than you are, and in some cases, you look too big to eat. So hopefully you're wearing a coat, all right? Now the principle behind this book is a really simple one. Uh, It's it's that you never know what life will throw at you, so you want to be as ready as possible. You never know what life's going to throw at you, so be as ready as possible. And as I was reading about this book, it really got me kind of thinking, wouldn't it be amazing if when you came to church, And you gave your life to Christ, you committed your life to Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were able to hand you a worst case scenario survival guide for your spiritual life? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like you come, you commit your life to Christ, and we say, hey, don't, you have nothing to worry about. Here is a book with every scenario that you're going to face in your Christian life. So, in the event that you're parenting a teenager and they look at you and they say, I hate you, don't worry. There's a page in the book about what you need to do and what God says about that. In the event that your ex-spouse or your baby mama is causing your life to be absolutely awful, don't panic. We've got a page in the book about that. You can you can find out what God has has to say. I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Get a bad call from a doctor, get a letter in the mail, get get lose a job. Like whatever the worst case is, No need to panic because we can find out what God says. That would be unbelievable. And we do have the Bible, obviously, that we could go to, and it's incredibly helpful. It's God's word, but it does feel as if sometimes the Bible is not specifically helpful enough to our situation. You understand what I mean by that? We're looking for a yes or a no. Should I date them? Should I not date them? Should I take the job? Should I move? Should I buy the house? If if I could get a yes in the sky, if I could get a no in the sky... You know, that would be amazing. And I flip open the Bible and I'm reading about kings and genealogies and all this stuff. And maybe it's not as helpful as I wish that it was. Well, the story that we're going to read today is incredibly helpful because it's about three guys who find themselves in a worst case scenario situation. They're living in a foreign land, they are put in a position to where they have to make a decision that could either end their life or save their life, and they've got to decide what to do. Today, we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and specifically, we're going to answer this question. What do you do when what you need to do is something that you're not supposed to do? What do you do when what you need to do is something that you're not supposed to do? We find their story in Daniel chapter 3. There's a Bible either in the seat or underneath the seat in front of you. Grab that out. Also, there's a sermon guide you can grab. We'll be using that. There's page numbers on there for you. Uh, But we find their story in Daniel chapter 3. Now, it's in the book of Daniel, named after a guy named Daniel. Now, we're we're not going to read about Daniel today. In this story, but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they ran as a crew of four, all right? They were boys. And, uh, but Daniel's story kind of runs throughout the book. But in chapter 3, there is a story specifically about Shadrach, Meshach, and, and, and Abednego. And their story is really specifically about standing strong in the face of pressure to compromise, That's really what it's about today. How do we stand strong in the face of the pressure to compromise? And this is something that all of us can deal with. We know what it feels like because we live in a world that is designed to get us to compromise our faith in God. It's not always blatant. There's not TV shows called How to Abandon Your Faith in God. There's not songs on the radio called How to Throw Away Everything You Believe About God. There's not At least up to this point, TV shows called How to, you know, ruin your marriage, walk away from your family, how to, you know, become an atheist. There's not those those type of blatant things out there, but we all understand what it feels like to feel this tug in our heart and in our soul, this current of the world that wants to pull us away from what we believe to be true about God and what we want to be true about our lives. The kind of marriage we want to have, the kind of parent we want to be, the kind of faith that we want to have, the kind of things that we want to stand for, the kind of influence that we want to be in life. We have these convictions, but then everything around us is designed to pull us away from those those convictions. At some point, maybe to even go Against the Bible. And there are some small examples, right? Like maybe you're working at your job and, and one of the guys tells a joke that, you know, is it's totally across the line, and uh, but you don't want to be the only guy not to laugh, right? Because they know you've started going to church, you don't want to be the uptight guy, so you're hanging out with the guys, you act like one of the guys, right? Or, or maybe your coworkers are going somewhere after work, but it's not really a place that you think you need to be going or... But you don't want to be the person who says, hey, I'm not going, I don't do that, or I don't think that's right, and so you just kind of go with the flow. But there are bigger examples. Those are small. There are bigger ones, like you're attracted to somebody that you work with, and you know that it's wrong to cheat on your spouse, but you can feel yourself every day giving into the idea of, of doing it. You know it's wrong to lie about your taxes, but now with the software, they make it so easy, you just put any number you want in there, and the higher, the, or the lower the number, the higher the green number gets, and you know, hey, I mean, they're not going to check it anyway, there's got to be like a couple billion people doing this, right, so I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna put put my number in there, however, because I need a little more money, and it's not really lying, because the government's awful anyway, God understands, and, or maybe you're dating someone, and you've made a commitment to God and to yourself to to not sleep together, but they keep walking around with their shirt off or something. I don't know. You just keep giving in to this, this feeling, this pressure, right? Have you noticed that the right thing to do is rarely the easy thing to do? Have you noticed this in life? The right thing to do is rarely the easy thing to do. A gym membership costs more than a dozen donuts, you know? I mean, it's, the, the right thing to do is, is really the easy thing to do. So what do you do when what you need to do is not what you're supposed to do? What do you do when what you need to do is something you're not supposed to do? That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to teach us today. So we're actually going to read the whole story in Daniel chapter 3. I'd love for you to have that Bible or your phone or iPad, whatever it is, and follow along because we're going to read from, cha- from verse 1 all the way to verse 31 the whole story of Verse 30, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You ready? Here we go. It says King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So, just for a second, let me just give you a little context. They are not from Babylon, they didn't grow up in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar was not their king, but they were captured, there was a war. And they were captured. They were God's people, the Hebrew people, the Israelites. They, they were captured because they lost the war and all brought to this other land. And now they're living in this land and they're being groomed to be leaders in this land. And so the king puts up this 90-foot tall statue. Verse 2, then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came And stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn and all the instruments. But that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18, here's the famous one. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments, in case you were wondering what they were wearing. And because the king and his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, this is how hot it was, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we, ser- we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed or and their clothing was not scorched they didn't even smell of smoke then nebuchadnezzar said praise to the god of shadrach meshach and abednego he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him they defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god so this is kind of cool cuz nebuchadnezzar's kind of having a conversion experience like I'm all for this God, but he's still working on his testimony, we'll see right here. Therefore, I make this decree, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no God who can rescue us like this. So he's like, I'm into this God, but I will kill you if you don't agree with me. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Asia. Asia. So we, it's it's a beautiful story. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't, but it's a famous childhood story. These three guys take a stand before King Nebuchadnezzar when their life is on the line. Now the reality is that for probably all of us in the room, unless you get on a plane and go to a different country, the reality for, for all of us is that our lives are not on the line for our faith in God. That's a beautiful thing. The next time you get outraged about something you hear on the news, just remember that your life has never been threatened because of your faith in Jesus Christ. But it was for them. But that doesn't mean that we don't face pressure to give in. It doesn't mean that we don't face pressure to compromise. And so if you have your sermon guide, go ahead and pull that out. And I want to give you three things from this story, three things you need to stand up when you want to give in. Three things you need to stand up when you want to give in, because here's what I can promise you this morning, is that at some point, multiple points, all along your journey and your faith and relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to want to give in. You're going to want to give in. Maybe some point today or this week, you're going to want to give in instead of stand up for your faith in Jesus Christ. So three things you need to stand up when you want to give in based on this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Number one, the first thing you need to stand up when you want to give in, number one, is conviction. You need conviction. Conviction is a firm belief in something. And we see this in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they say, listen, we're never bowing down. We're not doing it. It doesn't matter how you threaten us. It doesn't matter you know, what the consequences are. We are never bowing down. That is a line that we will not cross. Now, conviction is important because if you don't have any conviction, then you're going to live your life constantly reacting. Constantly reacting. You are. You are. Uh, you're kind of like a, a, a thermometer. You know. You're. You're. You're going to kind of gauge based on other people, figure out who you are and what you are. Right. But for those of us who follow Jesus, we should live our life with conviction. You say, okay, great. Well, how do I know what my convictions should be? That's a fantastic question. Let me tell you this. Number one, our convictions, for those of us who follow Jesus, our convictions come straight out of the Bible, God's Word. This is the starting point for our beliefs, for our convictions, what we stand on And there are going to be lots of those things that we agree with, but heads up, there's going to be several things that we don't agree with, but we don't get to pick and choose. We base our convictions on the Bible, first and foremost, but then, secondly, we base our convictions on our passion, in that order, by the way, not passion than the Bible, Bible than passion, because there are certain convictions you have in your life that have nothing to do with the Bible, you know, you just won't use cheap toilet paper, okay, that's all right, you know, you don't eat cheap cereal. Got it. That's a conviction. Great. Fantastic. We're gonna focus on more of the spiritual ones today. But there are there are non-negotiables in your life that you won't cross. What's most important is that we start with the Bible and then our preferences and our opinions also form our convictions. But they never trump, they never trump the Bible. And so conviction doesn't mean that everyone else has to agree with you. This is important. Conviction doesn't mean everybody has to agree with you. Actually, on the contrary, conviction means that you believe it so much that it doesn't matter if everybody else agrees with you. That's kind of a twist on conviction because we are kind of being trained to think that if I believe it passionately, you have to believe it passionately. But actually what conviction means is I believe it passionately. I don't care if you believe it or not. I believe it passionately, right? It's worth pointing out that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't fight for everything. Everything wasn't a conviction, but there were some convictions. And we don't have time to study the the whole book of Daniel today, but if we did, I could tell you about how they changed their names to insulting, degrading names. They changed Daniel's name to Belth. I messed it up. Balthashezar. There you go. Messed it up. But that means... You know what that name means? Prince of Satan. They literally captured him, brought him over, and said, We're going to call you the son of the devil. He didn't say nothing. They put them in school, and in Babylonian schools, you studied all religions, you studied the occult, devil worship, and the Bible says that not only did they go to the school, their mom didn't call and like, opt them out of the class, not only did they go in the class, they graduated at the top of their class, even though they didn't believe in what they were having to study. We don't know this to be totally true, but the Bible or history teaches us that a lot of times good-looking, healthy men from other countries and nations that were brought in were a lot of times uh, had a surgical procedure, if you will, uh, so that they could not uh, influence the ladies of the land. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly that that happened, but it would not be far-fetched to think that it happened, uncommon that it happened to these four guys. But as you read all throughout the book of Daniel and see these insulting changes, you don't find anywhere that these guys called for a boycott. They didn't scream. They didn't grab a sword. They went with the flow. They went with the flow. They were the best students. They had the most wisdom. They stood out because of their intellect and their kindness and their humility. They stood out. When when the Barna Group, in a recent survey, asked 18 to or 16 to 29 year olds. What's the first thing you think of when you, when you hear the word Christian? The number one answer 91% of non Christians ages 16 to 29 said the first word that came to mind was anti homosexual. Anti homosexual. The, the next most popular answers were judgmental, uh, hypocritical, too involved in politics. Now, the point of that stat is not that you shouldn't stand for what you believe the Bible teaches about sexuality. But what is important about that stat is that when people think about the word Christian, usually they think about our tone and our attitude because we're mad about everything. This doesn't mean there aren't things that we should stand for. It just means we can't be upset about everything. Daniel's like, look, change my name. That's fine. Enroll me in that school. That's fine. But then they said to Daniel, you can't pray anymore. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I got to pray. Shadrach, bend and go. they said, we're going to change your name, we're going to move you, we're going to put you in a different school. They're like, that's fine, whatever, just tell me where to go, God's got me. But then they said, you have to bow down to another God. They're like, no, nope, that's where I draw the line, sorry, can't do that. Everything was not a big deal. And I don't want to get up on a soapbox here, but please, please, please hear me. Christians, we can't fight against abortion or gay marriage or racial injustice with the same intensity that we have about Tim Tebow getting a chance in the NFL, okay? Everything can't be most important. Everything can't be non-negotiable. So whenever you decide on a conviction for your life, you can guarantee that it's going to be tested every single time. There will be an opportunity or a consequence, and you will have to decide what is non-negotiable. And just so you know, there are certain things that, like in your 20s, you think are non-negotiable, and then you realize, you know what, that's probably not a non-negotiable. And that's okay. That's okay. That's called wisdom and discernment. But there has to be some things in our life that we say, I'm not crossing that line. I'm not doing it. And if you're not willing to be left out or laughed at or penalized for standing by what you believe, you will never say no in the face of pressure. I jotted down a couple in no particular order. Like, I'm not going to work on Sundays. Well, you don't understand. I need to go. I'm just not going to work on Sundays. For me, that's a, or maybe for somebody, that's a, that's a conviction. I'm not going to borrow money. For some people, you say that. I promise you there's going to be a golden opportunity for you to do it. I'm not going to gossip. If you come at me with negative th- information about other people, I will shut it down. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to act like I'm not a Christian at work. I'm not going to do it. Like, there is some non-negotiables. So that's the first thing we see in this story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to go with the flow on like so many things, but there were a few things that were non-negotiable. I'm going to pray, and I'm not bowing down to other gods. And the same has to be true for us if we want to stand up instead of give in. So I hope you have some convictions. If not, my encouragement to you would be to just devour the Bible. Read the Bible. And every time you come to a part of the Bible that doesn't align with the life that you live, get a pen out and circle it and put a big question mark by it and begin to ask yourself, do I believe that this is true and non-negotiable? Well, let me give you another one. Not only do you need conviction if you want to stand up instead of give in, number two, you need perspective. You need perspective. We see this in, in, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. They had this unbelievable perspective. Somehow, these three guys didn't seem bothered or upset in the least about the trouble that they were facing. In some way, it almost feels like they viewed opposition as an opportunity to share Jesus with others. Now, I want to read something to you. I think it's on your, yeah, it's on your sermon guide, Mark, Mark chapter 13. But Jesus was actually talking about opposition with his disciples. And I want to read a verse to you, what he said. He said, when these things happen, he was talking about all these awful things that are happening in the world. One day it's going to happen, he said. And in verse 9 of Mark 13, he says, when these things happen, watch out. You'll be handed over to local councils, beaten in synagogues. You'll stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers. So like, it's going to be bad. You're going to be beaten, arrested. It's going to be nasty, awful. But this will be your, what's that word? Opportunity to tell them about me. It's almost like Jesus says, man, there is no platform as big as a platform of people coming against you. You know, everybody wants to experience a miracle, but nobody wants to need one, right? Everybody wants a platform, but nobody wants to be opposed. And what if the things in our life that we feel like are against us or the things that are bothering us or inconveniencing us is actually something different? We're just looking at it from the wrong perspective, Right? When I was uh, a freshman in high school, I had just recently uh, started my relationship with God. And I was one of those weirdos, man, that just took the Bible literally. Like, I just loved the Bible. I got saved. I had a youth pastor who was a great Bible teacher. And I just, I would read it and I would be like, okay, how do we do this today? And so he was preaching through the Beatitudes one night, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And one of the verses in there said that if somebody hits you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. I was 16, or about 15, and just recently committed my life to Christ, and when he was teaching this, for whatever reason, the thought that ran through my head was, I want that to happen to me. I want to see if I could do that. I'm thinking this. Well, I mean, I remember, it. he's teaching, when somebody strikes you on the face, turn to the other side and let them hit you on the other side of the face, and he's preaching that, and I thought, man, that would be so cool if that happened to me. I wonder if I could do that. Well, for whatever reason, God answers that prayer quicker than others because the next day at school, it's a long story, but I'm in badminton class. That's a separate aside. And and uh, I'm actually got some game, but we'll talk about it later. And uh, I'm sitting in badminton class, and I beat this guy in badminton, which is not the story. And. I'm sitting on the ground, and all of a sudden, this guy runs up to me. I'm not making this up. It sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm not making it up. He runs up to me, and he begins, I'm sitting on the ground. He's standing up. He begins kicking me in the face. Now, look, I'm not super spiritual, I promise. But the first thought I had when his shoe connects with my face was, this is what I prayed for. I promise. I'm sitting there getting kicked in the face, and I thought, "This this is what I prayed for last night. So it felt like three minutes, it was probably three seconds, but he's kicking me, and finally the teacher sees me getting kicked in the face, and they pull him off, and badminton is intense, and they pull him off, (laughs) and the teacher says, he says, uh, both of y'all get to the principal's office right now. I said, what'd I do? He said, get up there. If you're fighting, get up there. They give me a bag of ice, so i walk up, I got this ice on my face, I go into the principal's office, and he doesn't even look up from his desk. He says, you're suspended three days for fighting. I said, sir, I'm so, I, I didn't fight. I didn't fight back. And he looked up from his desk and he said, what do you mean? I said, well, this is going to sound so crazy. But last night I was at church and my youth pastor was preaching about turning the other cheek. And I thought, man, that would be awesome if I could get punched in the face so I could turn the other cheek. And this morning, this, that's what this guy did. And so I just sat there and take it because I wanted to see if I could do what the Bible said. The principal just starts laughing. He's like, all right, you're good to go. And the rest of the day, I'm walking around school with this ice bag on my face, and everybody's like, what happened? And I'm like, well, you're never going to believe this. And I got to tell the story like 10 times. Now, I didn't lead anybody to Jesus. Principal didn't start crying and do a repeat after me prayer. Most people thought I was an idiot, including my brother. But there was something. That day, in, this, in the weirdest way, that day, I felt like I was one of the guys in the Bible. I, it was so bizarre. I was just like, wow, man. I just Daniel in the lion's den, Jason in badminton. I felt like... <laughs> That was so legit. I tell you the story just, just to challenge you and ask you, is there something in your life that maybe needs a little new perspective? Like you don't you don't understand. I'm home with the kids all day long. Yeah, no, I get it. Like that's but what if that's a captive audience? I work, my desk is right beside the most awful person in the world. But what if that's a captive audience? You don't understand. I got to go to the hospital multiple times a week to get treatment. What if those nurses and doctors is a captive audience? Just a different perspective. So, so if we want to stand up instead of give in, we got to have conviction. We got to change our perspective and view opposition and obstacles possibly as opportunities. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I want to give you one more. Number three, if we want to stand up instead of give in, number three, we got to trust. We gotta have conviction. We gotta have perspective. But number three, we gotta trust. Trust specifically that God's in control. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendigo said the God who we serve is able to save us. They had conviction, they had perspective, but they were able to have those things because they trusted that God was in control. And right now, as I'm saying this, you're like, yeah, that's cute, Jason, but you don't know my boss, you don't know my kid's teacher. Hey, Jason, have you watched the news lately? Do you know what's going on out there? Don't you feel like we should do something? The Bible teaches us that God is in control, but it also teaches us that God is in control of who's in control. And trusting in God means recognizing and believing that there is no scenario where I lose. There is no scenario where I lose. You say, how could you not lose? Because there is no win in this world that is the ultimate win. The win is eternity with Jesus. So if I lose my job, I don't lose. If I lose a child to a tragedy, I don't lose. If I lose my life, I don't lose. I don't lose. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew this somehow. They said, look, God's going to save us because he's, he's, he's the kind of guy who does that. But even if he doesn't, this is like a win-win. It's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians where he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The Apostle Paul and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they believe that the best day of my life is the last day of my life because that's the day that I get to be with Jesus And so if ultimate success here on earth is the goal, it's going to be very hard to take a stand if it costs you something. Because you're trying to win here. But being a follower of Jesus means we win there. So if winning here is the goal, you're never going to stand when you have the chance to give in. But if eternity with God is ultimate success, then nothing that we face here is insurmountable. Nothing that we face here is something that should cause us to give in instead of stand up. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's true. It's true. So as I was putting this message together this week, I, I thought about all the different situations that you're facing right now, that we're facing right now in our lives. Maybe you're here and you're trying to stay sober, but you'd say like my friends are not making it easy and I feel myself giving in. Maybe you're here and you're you're trying to abstain from sex, but you are feeling so much pressure, temptation. Maybe you're here and you would say I'm trying to keep this marriage together and to stay faithful, but I am miserable trying to stay away from debt but we have no money. I'm trying to raise kids in church but we're so busy. I'm trying to keep the faith but I can't catch a break. I'm trying to stay calm but I'm afraid of what might happen. If you want to stand up instead of give in you got to have conviction perspective and trust. That whatever it is that you're facing, it's not non-negotiable, or it's non-negotiable. It's an opportunity, and I've got Jesus to help me. Whatever it is that you're facing, you got to believe this is non-negotiable. This is an opportunity, and I've got Jesus to help me. Let's pray. God, thank you that you gave us Jesus as the ultimate example for how to stand up instead of give in. That he didn't feel the need to defend himself when he was arrested. And he didn't feel the need to get himself off the cross when he was crucified. He gave his life so that we could have life. And so God, I pray for every person today who's feeling the pressure to give in, who's feeling the temptation to, to throw it in, to throw it away. God, that they would stand on your truth, your word The non-negotiable conviction of the Bible. They would change their perspective to see the opportunities and their obstacles. And they would trust that you are helping. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.